It's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener in our studio. Got Matt Lachlan on the line on his way to Devil's Practice. And John McAlevey is on the line as well. Well, gentlemen, uh, congratulations to St. Peter's. An amazing run. Um, first 15 seed ever to make the Elite Eight. I mean, that's pretty incredible. You know, these guys are right in our backyard, right in Jersey City. Really, really exciting run. Um, and I guess, the, the you know, these players, you know, Matthew Lee, Doug Eddard, the the Drame brothers, uh, Casey Nadefo, uh, Clarence Rupert, all these guys. I mean, we're going to follow these guys now. I mean, it was a really exciting run. And um, and they just they just played incredibly well. And it did end it with a thud, though. I mean, um, I thought uh, the problem was obviously uh, missing their first six shots. There was a lid on the basket. They had good looks. They had close looks. They had layups. They had all kinds of shots that rimmed out. And in their earlier uh, games, they were able to put the pressure on the other team. They were never able to put the pressure uh, on the Tar Heels. And, uh, and they also, they, they got the other team on their heels, but the Tar Heels, they couldn't put on their heels. And I, I thought, I thought uh, Matt, they were just, uh, North Carolina was just too much. And it was to, to, ask, to ask them to, another win and, and then uh, uh, and what would have been a phenomenal story of them making the, uh, the final four was, was just too much. And it really wasn't even close. No, it wasn't, and really not unexpected. Uh, as the clock struck twelve, and Cinderella had to leave the ball, uh, and it was over early, and so they, there was really none of the excitement of the earlier games, where you know they went back and forth. Of course, in the end, pulling out the victories. So a terrific run. I, the only thing I will disagree with you on is, let's be honest, we're not going to follow these guys. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. What we, when we will is the next time, if it happens, that a 15 does something. Or maybe next year when the seeding comes out, everyone will say, well, don't forget St. Peter's when they brush over whoever a second seed is going to play. You know, But in the end, it's a great story. And it, it's memories that will live forever with those players and deservedly so. But honestly, it was just a nice collection of players who came together at the right time. And I, I don't think we're going to follow them too much. More. Well, I think specifically I from the, uh, you know, uh, they were they weren't even on our radar. And now they are. And I'm going to I'm going to keep tabs on all these players where they end up. Are they going to stay at St. Peter's? Are they going to move on? And, you know, the player now. And I did not know St. Peter's at all. We, you know, look, we have a Jersey Hardwood podcast and we, we really didn't know. I mean, listen, we concentrated on the big programs. Obviously, Rutgers, obviously Seton Hall. I'm an alum. You're an alum. You know, so we, we went down that road and they were not even on our radar. Now they are. That's my point. I mean, are we going to be necessarily locked into all of them? No, but I'm going to look around and go, if one of these guys transfers out, Matt and goes to Seton Hall or something, or maybe lands at Rutgers or stays at St. Peter's. I'm going to be following that in the off season. And also these are, these are some good players. I mean, Casey and the defo, man, that guy can play. Those guards, man, were, were good. And yeah, but you're, you're right. They, they gelled as a team separately. Where does that go? I don't know, but I'm just following them for that run. You know, now, you know, them. I think that there's a lot of players that might be on the move here, John. With with Shaheen Holloway going to Seton Hall? Well, their coach is is obviously on the move. I mean, as Matt and I were texting this morning, it's the worst kept secret that he 
Um, he will be uh, the new head coach at Seton Hall. Although I was listening to the radio yesterday and some people were saying, you know, this guy, talk about striking while the iron's hot. There's bigger jobs out there than Seton Hall. I mean, he might, who knows, if some one of these really, really big schools comes after him, he, he would be stupid not to listen. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to head home uh, to South Orange. But yeah, we're, we're in the funny season now. Something that, you know, a couple of years ago when they started with this uh, allowing players to go, I, I'm going to refer to it now as portal palooza because <laughs> there's o- upwards now of, I think, about five or 600 kids that are already in the portal and big names pop up each and every day. I mean, just off the top of my head, the day after Texas Tech was knocked out of the tournament, their best guard that Terrence Shannon is now in the in the portal. So of course you see, you know, he's going to meet with Tom Izzo and he's meeting with Cal Perry and he's doing all these things. So this is like the funny season. Now it's an opportunity for these, for these schools that maybe if you didn't, if you didn't get your guy in the fall, then you have an opportunity to get, you know, an even better guy now in the spring. And so some of these players might be on the move and and you're right. The guards, the guards were really good. I, I had a chance to speak with former Seton Hall, uh, Seton Hall, not Seton Hall, former St. Peter's College um, head coach Roger Blinn the other day, who is a, who's a friend and was a has been a mentor of mine basketball-wise, was the head coach at Milburn High School for 17, 18 years. And he's tickled pink to see, you know, his old school doing so well. And he, he told me, John, it's at this time of the year, it's the guards. It's the guards. And you mentioned Lee and Bryant. And, and they re- were able to really hold their own against these top, top-level teams. And um, Matt hit it again with Cinderella, you know, the turn back into a pumpkin. It was, it was going to happen at some point. And it, it happened fast and it was over early. They missed layup after layup after layup early, but, um, the end came and it came hard. Yeah, it did. I was funny. I was, you know, a, a friend called and had devil's tickets and I'm like, man, St. Peter's game's on no way. And then, yeah. um, then it was there down, well, like 27 points. I called them back. I said, hey, Ross, you still got those tickets? And, Funny you uh, mentioned the St. Yeah. Peter's game. You didn't say the North Carolina game, right? You right. St. Peter's. Yeah, man. And then, you know, then I see, uh, then I went and bumped into Matt at the uh, at the Devils game uh, because the thing was over. I mean, I mean, once they got up that high, usually there's no, because there's no way they were coming back. They weren't a team that can come back. You know, they had to play close a close game or with the lead, which they did all along. Now I thought that they missed a bunch of shots against Purdue. Uh, they didn't against Kentucky and they didn't against uh, uh, Murray state. And then it just caught up to them on the, on the, with North Carolina turning to their coach Shaheen Holloway and a great job that he's done. Matt, do you have any inside um, info on, on what Seton Hall's doing or is, is it a lock or? Well, I mean, I know what everybody else knows. Yeah. Uh, all roads are leading that way. All signs point to Shaheen Holloway being named. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. Wednesday is the day that uh, has been reported to be the day they'll introduce him officially. I mean, they want to get it done quickly. He's, uh, you know, you got to get on the recruiting trail, no matter who it is. And let's just say it is Holloway. But even if it's not, even if they have to reverse field for whatever reason, uh, you know, they want to get on on the recruiting trail. They've got to be able to assure the incoming guys uh, who I'm sure are thinking, do I want to go to Seton Hall now that Willett's left? Um, there's just a lot at stake. He owes it to St. Peter's. So 
everyone wants to get this done as quickly as possible. I, I don't see anything that will change things. But I'm thinking, and it's different circumstances, and it's a long time ago. But Raleigh Massimino at one point was going to be the New Jersey Nets head coach, and he was leaving Villanova. And the Nets had a news conference scheduled for, let's say, it was noon. And on the ride up, he called him and said, I'm not coming. He had a change of heart. I don't think there'll be a change of heart for Shaheen Holloway to go back to St. Peter's. But in the dog-eat-dog world of college basketball, uh, there could be a school that's saying, wait a minute, son, you know, don't don't necessarily go over there. What are they offering you? We might offer you more. I don't think that'll happen. But until it happens, it hasn't happened. But I think it'll be Wednesday. But uh, – Matt, an incredible run, right? He seemed like a, a player's coach, a super likable guy. So, I mean, you would think he, wherever he ends up, and likely we think it's very likely it's going to be Seton Hall, that a lot of those players coming off of the run that he just had say, hey, no, I want to stay put and play for this guy. Is that? Do you think that's a likely scenario? Oh, it's possible. Um, he has a lot of similarities to Kevin Willard. So in terms of style of play, it's not like suddenly – they're going from wide open running gun to slow it down, play a 50 point game that would give a player uh, a reason to think about it. So there are a lot of similarities. He was at Seton Hall up till what? This was his fourth year at St. Peter's. So, you know, Jared Roden was recruited by him. I saw something today where someone was asking the question, would he be able to convince Roden to stay an extra year? Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Jared Roden's NBA material at this point, particularly off the year he had. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, there are players who would probably stick around, but you never know. I mean, you're recruited for a reason. I mean, if I'm, you know, Jameer Harris has indicated he's not coming back, he might leave the door open. But if he doesn't come back, does his brother, who is a highly regarded recruit, decide, you know what, maybe I want to go someplace else? I was recruited by Coach Willard. The, you know, I don't know this guy. So, you know, better to lock it down and, and, and let them know who the man is. So, John, what do you think? An obvious fit? Holloway's an obvious fit for Seton Hall? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's an obvious fit. Yeah, he was a star guard there. Um, and he was an assistant coach there. And as Yeah, he was their number to, one recruiter. Yeah, he was their number one recruiter. And he's charismatic. Uh, who wouldn't want to play for a guy like that? I mean, you watch him on the sideline. And um, he is basically the sixth player on the floor. He's running up and down. He's jumping up and down. He he does seem to have a bit of a short temper. You can see he was getting angry with his players sometimes. And then, um, you know, he was the darling of all of this. And when the team was going good, he was a great interview on the sideline. But when they were down like 19 to four at one point, they had, you know, they come back from the commercial and they throw it down to Jamie Erdahl. And he was really having none of that interview. He gave like one or two terse answers and wanted to get back into the huddle. So he's a competitor and he wants to win. And I, I love that about him. I, I think it's, if they can get him, obviously, you know, like Matt mentioned, and I talked about before, there's bigger jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Is he going to listen? Well, and mm-hmm. if he does, does that add another zero to his salary in uh, at Seton Hall? I mean, he's got a relationship with the athletic director there, Felt who was his athletic director that brought him to St. Peter's. He's now at, uh, at Seton Hall and the whole, um, you know, what do you do then with Grant Billmeyer? Does he stay? Does he take the seat in, uh, in Jersey city? Does he stick around? 
Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. And you mentioned Kevin Willard before. I, I noticed that he his first hire down at the University of Maryland is he brought Tony Skin, who was the one of the lead recruiters that he had at Seton Hall and brought in a lot of those good players. He's now um, with him down in College Park, Maryland, just to tie in tie a bow into the whole Kevin Willard thing in Seton Hall. So yeah, there's some, there's some fun stuff going on. The, the new coach, again, the portal Palooza who's coming, who's going it's uh college basketball is, is still with us at least for the next couple of weeks. And, and for, for Shaheen Holloway, he's basically uh, coming home in a lot of other ways too. His wife is a graduate of Seton Hall university. He went to the Patrick school um, St. Patrick's at the time when he went there, now the Patrick School. He's from the Bronx, uh, you know, although he, he moved to Jersey when he went to the pa- St. Patrick's. But at any rate, he's totally local. Uh, it makes too much sense for him not to go. And Seton Hall adds enough zeros at the end of the contract. You know, Willard was $2 million plus. Um, I don't say that's what Holloway's going to get, but he's going to be at seven figures. So he's he's having a life-changing contract being signed no matter where he goes and if I'm Seton Hall and if he gets pressed there's a there's a point at which they have to drop out if it does get into a bidding war they just don't have the pockets uh that you know the big teams do not that Calipari's leaving Kentucky but they don't have that kind of dough but they got good dough and they'll be able to match a lot of the money there's there's just no way they can let him go Matt, what about big things? And I and I hear this from uh, some of my good friends that I went to Milburn High School with that are uh, Seton Hall graduates, and they are all clamoring for a practice facility. And I know that Seton Hall's campus is a lot like the one at Providence College. It's landlocked. There's not a lot of room. And we had, like, grade Z facilities for the longest time when you try to recruit against the Kentuckys and, and the – you know, the Dukes and the, the the big, you know, the big blue blood schools. You can't do it, our little Catholic schools. And luckily we had some, some great alum that, that were able to dig into their pockets and they built a state-of-the-art, beautiful basketball-centric facility on, on our campus. And my friends were up there taking their kids on a visit. They said, oh, my God, we've got to do something like that at Seton Hall. So I know that that is always talked about. Is the, is there any movement towards it? Because a, a Big East school like that shouldn't have to be practicing in the basement, you know, a, a, a couple times a week. And as as nice as Walsh Gymnasium is, it's just in this 2022, you know, you need some more bells and whistles than that. So what's the word on on maybe something like that in the future? Well, it's it's more than in the planning state. It is delayed and has been delayed for a lot of reasons and COVID and a bunch of things have delayed it, but they have received from the pocketed alums, uh, and you're not speaking to one, although I do support the school. <laughs> They're not going to call it the uh, Lachlan practice facility based on what I donate. But at any rate, I do support the school financially. But that being said, um, they have done a very good job of fundraising, and they they're just behind schedule. They should be able to announce something significant within the next month or so and uh, and then get, get going on that. It's going to be on, for those who know the campus a little bit in Walsh, it's going to be behind Walsh, kind of going out toward those homes that were the campus in the Valesburg section. There's got to be a way that uh, a, a 
road will still be open so that there's cars able to pass. I'm not saying in the city of Newark, on the campus, so that uh, cars will be able to pass and get to parking lots and what have you. But, uh, yeah, that, that it's more than just on the drawing board, but it hasn't extended into the full uh, shovel-in-the-ground stage yet. It's a must. It's a must. 2022, as you well know. Yeah, it's got to be like a 20 or $40 million, which is a big range, I know. It, it's a very... Uh, very big project. Very big awesome. project. That's terrific. And that'll certainly help with recruiting. But, you know, we don't know anything, uh, unfortunately, because we're recording on Tuesday. If uh, something might go down tomorrow, like later on today or tomorrow. Uh, so uh, things are probably moving very quickly. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. A little Rutgers news. Uh, Caleb McConnell uh, declared for the draft now. Before we say uh, that it's not happening or whatever, what he does is he'll get, you know, valuable feedback. And what, what he the, the NBA, draft? the M, I owe you another one of those, Johnny. Um, yeah, the NBA draft. And uh, but here's the thing. The difference between Jaden Jones and him is he opened up at the end of his announcement. He opened up that I am looking forward to exploring all of the opportunities I have for the upcoming season, which suggests to me it might get some valuable input uh, from some NBA scouts and such and organizations. And then he might very well come back to uh, Rutgers and work on some specific things, specifically um, his offense. Uh, his defense is is, uh, is quite good. Um, and he's certainly leading with that. That's where his talents lend to the most so far. But, who, you yeah. know, he may look, he, he has an opportunity. He has one more year of eligibility. You know, work on your offensive game. And he's a good leader. I think it would be great if he came back uh, to Rutgers. We'll see. It I will think s- that's a must. Yeah. They got to have him back. But I would be, I would be, you know, holding my breath because there's a guy that could put himself into the portal and, you know, go to one of these bigger schools that needs sort of a three and D guy because he's a tremendous defender. His shot started to come around. He's a winning player. He's not like a, wow. he's not going to play 30 plus minutes a game, 35 minutes a game, but there's a guy that could come off the bench for one of these bigger schools and really have a role. So I would, you know, I'd he, hope at this point he's, he bleeds scarlet red. I hope he would just want to come back to Rutgers, but you know what? That is certainly uh, the possibility. Matt, what are your thoughts on McConnell coming back, uh, kind of moving on? I mean, I think he could help Rutgers quite a bit. Oh, there's no doubt. And he's not an NBA player. He doesn't have any offensive game. Uh, and you, you need to be able to score a little bit. So I, I, I don't think he's an NBA player. I think it's really just a matter of where he's at in his life. Uh, I, I would assume he'd want to play ball again. So he's got the year. There's no reason to think he wouldn't come back to Rutgers, which has done an awful lot for them. Uh, and, you know, we'll be looking for a third straight. But he may decide the grass is greener. Miles yeah. Johnson could have uh, come back too. Yeah. <clears throat> Miles Johnson could have come back, and he decided not to. And you know, he wanted Southern Cal, but he was a, he was a California guy. Could O'Connell uh, McConnell want to go to Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go back to the hometown and why not go back home? Dayton. Yeah, I mean, we don't yeah. want to think about that, but there's certainly the possibility. So we'll have to see how that. Oh, you got to you got to think about it. Of course. Well, the of one course. you really have to hold your breath on is Cliff Amore because there's yes. a guy that every school. I mean, if he were to put his name out there, you would see it. Everybody Kentucky, would want him. 
Yeah. You know, Duke, oh, yeah. Oregon. I mean, all of the blue bloods would be all over that guy. Michigan State. He could. He could name his school. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why they got to address this portal thing a little bit. I'm all for players. Always have been. Uh, I'm, I'm a. I'm an employee guy. I back the employees, not the bosses. Um, and but it, it, so I think the players over time have been screwed by coaches leaving and and players being handcuffed to sitting out a year and it was in conference transfer it was two years it was ridiculous where coaches were allowed to move whenever they wanted but uh it's kind of gotten out of hand because if you're steve peichel you know or jane holloway or john calipari for that matter or any coach you know you're looking to your left to see who's coming who you could grab you're looking to your right to see who's poaching your players. Did, did I bark at this guy too much? Did I ask too much of this player? Did he not get enough minutes? You know, uh, the Cabello's leaving Illinois. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like why, why is he leaving? Is he, was he not successful there? Did he not play a key role? Yeah. Does he just want to see if there's something mm-hmm. else out there? You know, I don't know. So and, uh, like, and Pichel's, it's, 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 Pichel's, a it's a madhouse. And Pichel's dealing with that with, with Jaden Jones. is a four-star cr- recruit. Uh, he couldn't get him minutes with uh, uh, with Gio coming back. Uh, I guess he didn't play the defense that he wanted him to play yet. Yet. But he did show some ability at the beginning of the season, certainly as from the offensive standpoint. But he probably didn't get enough minutes. And now they're looking at him. He declares for the draft. And then he did not send the same um, uh, 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 tweet that uh, McConnell did. McConnell opened himself up the end to explore other opportunities where Jaden Jones just said, uh, you know, thank you for everything. And it sounded like a move on scenario to me. Maybe not. I don't know. But he certainly didn't open up the opportunity to, to come back, as did uh, McConnell. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, where that goes. But you're right. I mean, and then well, how about these stars, these star guards and such that are at smaller schools? You just mentioned John, a, a player who's who, who went into the uh, the portal and then they're going to get recruited by the big guys. You know, they're going to, you know, Izzo's going to be the first in line for them, you know, and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the you know, so there's no uh, shot at some of the smaller schools. There's no they don't, they're not going to look at it as a, as a big move up. They're going to look at a lateral move coming to a place like Rutgers and such. So yeah. it's it's tough getting those those big stars that that want uh, that are on the move and want to go to a, um, another uh, play, unless it's just fit and they feel like they're going to get the minutes right away. Well, that's um, what you need is you need to find the right fit. I mean, when last year rolled around, uh, just taking Providence for instance, we really did not have a great season last year. In fact, it was a major disappointment. So, like all coaches, Coach Cooley hit the portal. He brought in Al Durham from Indiana who, you know, I had seen play and I thought, all right, you know, he's a nice player. And Justin Manaya from South Carolina who played for four years and again was ho-hum. And I was sort of thinking, geez, who are these guys? You know, they're just sort of middle of the road guys, but they, they had a great fit. They were good guys. They got along with Cooley and, and they could play and they were both driving forces. They were both starters behind a resurgence that we had. Another guy, Noah Horkler was a, was a portal guy that we got from North Florida. I mean, what the heck is North Florida? Right. He turned out to be one of our better players, you know, one of the you know better rebounders in the Big East Conference. And we're going to miss those three guys. So it doesn't have to all be McDonald's All-Americans that comes in. you got to find guys that right fit, that want to mm-hmm. be there, 
that, that have each other's back and they can play a little bit. And then, then it's the coach's job to meld it all together. Um, so there's, there's guys out there. They don't, as I say, they don't all have to be top 15 guys. If you find the right people that'll pull on the same rope and there's minutes that are open, you can turn your team around. Look at, look at Iowa State. They were two and 22 last year and they made it to the sweet 16 on the backs of mostly guys that were brought in from the transfer portal. And also another thing to look at, and you you brought it up with uh, Miles Johnson, Matt. I mean, you know, so he goes to UCLA. Great. And what does he get? He gets 10 minutes a game. Um, he would have been, he would have gotten double the minutes at Rockers. And with Miles Johnson there, they likely would have gone much further. They would have, they would have been a better team flat out. They, they lost that defensive presence. They could have a little more, uh, you know, I think that Omori still would have developed. Um, and so, and I understand it was more about education. He's a great student and he wanted to go to grad school in Southern California and who can blame him? I get all that, but from just from the basketball court standpoint, I wouldn't say that it was necessarily a better fit for him. Um, you know, UCLA's, uh, you know, out now and yeah, granted they made it to the, uh, uh, elite eight, but, uh, uh, they uh, and it's a very good team, but he didn't get the nearly the minutes he would have saw if he if he remained at Rutgers. But I guess uh, um, whatever program he was in, he just couldn't find the match staying on the East Coast, and he wanted to go home. But the point is, it's the grass. This whole grass is greener, was it? Was on the basketball court, was it? Maybe you know on the campus and in the classroom, yes. So on the basketball court, I'd argue not, not necessarily was the case. Well, yeah, you know, you're right to a large degree. Um, a little buzzing there on my ride to, uh, or beeping on my way to the game, uh, to the rock. But uh, no, you're right. But I think that his decision was based more on going back home, yeah. the postgraduate right, right. degree. Mm-hmm. And I would say if, if he was part of this conversation, he would say yes. It absolutely worked out on and off the court. He got to play in a big time conference in his home state and they went to the tournament. So I, I, he probably would say the, the ones that I don't understand, the ones who, you know, played four years somewhere um, and have had some success or have graduated, you know, those I kind of understand, but you know, the ones, you know, like, like Manaya, uh, uh, Omar Manaya's kid going to Providence, you know, yep. he, he got yep. to, he got to play a more prominent role. Yeah. Um, yeah, and played big time basketball and was on national TV and played, you know, he's a, he's a Jersey guy, you know, his, his dad lived in, dad and mom lived in North Jersey when Omar was the uh, general manager of the, of the Mets. So, you know, he's local kid who got to play kind of local. So that, that makes sense too. I, the ones that are bouncing back and forth, trying to find, uh, you know, somehow, Nirvana. Uh, yeah, those yeah. I have. Those I have trouble. Yeah, trouble yeah, without a doubt. Matt, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I, I need to get before we're done here. I need to get a scouting report on the uh, Middle Tennessee women's basketball team because I see that they will be the opponent for the Lady Pirates in the Final Four of the women's NIT Thursday night. What do yeah, you know about the but, middle <laughs> I know they're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and that's about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about it, but it's been a hell of a run yeah. by Seen Hall's women's team. They were upset that they didn't get an invite to the NCAA. <clears throat> they felt that they had earned it by their play at the end of the season 
and their run uh, into the semifinals of the Big East tournament. Uh, Big East did get uh, four teams in the Big uh, in the Big Dance and two in the women's NIT. But Tony Bazella, their head coach, uh, told me that you know we're going to win it. And I said, well, what gives you that faith? And he said, we are definitely a top 50 program. We should be in the NCAA tournament. We are no doubt uh, among the best teams in the country. And he said, what's happened is because the NCAA tournament expanded and, start, and you know, I've taken teams from other conferences, he was implying that that watered down the WNIT's field so that a top 50 team should have a great deal of success. Beyond that, I can't tell you anything about who they're going to play this week. I do wish them well. Yeah, no, I, I'm just kidding around. I saw that uh, that they were in there, and I, I was I just quickly checked to see who their opponent was going to be. But that's great. There's a guy who made a bold statement, and he's gone out there, and his team has backed it up for him, and you like yeah. to see that. How many teams are on the bubble, they're on the bubble, and then they don't get chosen, and they go the NIT? And they're pouting, and they get their doors blown off, even in home games. It's happened to uh, to lots of teams. I, I know it's happened to my guys back, you know, seven eight years ago. I remember they were yeah, it's a downer, right? Make the NCAA tournament, and then the, yeah. the NIT gives them a home game, and it's just a complete no show. Yeah, they... Smaller schools just say, "Hey, this is our opportunity." Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's a good thing. And that practice facility you're talking about that might be a couple of years down the road will be, will benefit the women's program as well. And they've had success there. So that's, uh, that's very good. You know, it might, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a men's only basketball practice facility, but they've, they've upgraded the women practice at Walsh and they've upgraded that facility tremendously over the last few years. Um, not that they don't deserve better, but they have had an upgrade in their facilities, but yeah, now the pressure's on Tony because not not only to to fulfill his promise and his boast, but Seton Hall now is going to be expected to make the NCAA tournament next year uh, for the women. Uh, yeah. He's got a good team. Uh, he's established the program. I think this is the sixth out of the last eight years that they've gone to the postseason. They would have gone the COVID year, so he likes to say seven out of eight. Yeah. Uh, so they was and and the Big East is starting to establish itself. It was just viewed as UConn, and then DePaul was in there, always good. And then a lot of people around the country looked at it like, well, what else do you have? But this year they put four in, and they're putting more money into the program, uh, both locally and from a conference standpoint. And they're trying to establish themselves as one of the elite. I think everybody, you know, and rightfully so, believes the SEC is the the queen of the land when it comes to women's basketball, but, uh, but the big East is trying to, you know, carve out a niche beyond what UConn. Yeah. Well guys, let's, uh, let's take a little, uh, uh, trip away from New Jersey and then look at the final four. Uh, got, uh, wow. And, and now the, the big story now, right? Johnny is Duke, uh, and coach K can he, can he go out with a national championship? You got UNC and Duke, man. What a great matchup that is. Um, UNC be uh, good, yeah. beat him at you know, Cameron. North Carolina finally yeah. fulfilling its promise. I mean, that team is loaded. That, just that trio loaded. guard, man. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, uh, Leaky Black, man. Those guys are good. I mean, yeah. it's right. And, and they're playing well. And 
and it's a you know everybody talks about how important guard play is in the tournament, and man, those yeah, guys are turning Jake it Romantic on. From Oklahoma can dial it up deep. He he looks like he's homeless with that beard. Or <laughs> yeah, it's like Doctor Zayas from um, Planet of the Apes with that beard. Yeah, um, but yeah, and Baycott is playing, is playing out of this world, um, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Duke still has a bad taste in their mouth for what Carolina did to them on uh, the final game, Coach K's last game at um, Cameron Indoor. So I, I have a feeling Duke will roll, I think. They're, they're, they're hitting their stride right now, and I think North Carolina might be one of those, you know, Cinderella runs. Not that you think North Carolina is a Cinderella, but... Yeah, hard to beat a team a twice in a row, right? UNC's got yeah. a big task there, man. So I kind of... I just think Duke yeah. is going to go and... And I feel terribly for Justin Moore. Uh, Villanova fans. My niece is really is Man. revved up for the Final Four, but you know Justin Moore rupturing huge, his Achilles tendon. Uh, huge was, loss. Was a huge really loss. hard thing to see. Yeah. And that kid is so good, and 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 that team is, you know, so well coached. They're like a they're like a robot, like a cyborg, because but, they play the same game every game out. You know, they just they all are so fundamentally sound, and so I, I don't know what what they're going to do now without him against Kansas, oh. who was right for the picking Friday night. If my team couldn't shoot the ball off the side of the basket <laughs> enough, we couldn't make a shot. And, and yeah. then they looked – You looked came back, John. Game. You guys came back. Sunday. Yeah, they oh. came back and took a lead late. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Here we this go. is going to happen. But well. Kansas sort of caught fire at the end there. And then the same thing again on Sunday. You know, they were down six at halftime and then just played – the most amazing half of basketball I've seen in years outscored Miami yeah. by 26 points in the second half. So they might be hitting their stride and catching Villanova uh, with one of their best players yeah. uh, um, on the shelf. But listen, don't bet against Jay Wright. He'll come up with something yeah. and his kids will continue to play hard. But so Matt, Duke wins yeah. the first game and, you know, I'd have to say Kansas winning the second one. Uh, Matt, what do you think in the matchups? Yeah, I, I can't cheer for Mike Krzyzewski. I'm sorry. I can't. I acknowledge his greatness. Uh, I acknowledge, you know, what he's done, not only at Duke, but for USA basketball. I can't cheer for him. Come Me on. neither. So, so I'm pulling for North Carolina. I think they have every reason yeah. to have faith that they can do it. Uh, 100%. I don't care. I don't want a fairy tale story. I don't care about a fairy tale story. If it was St. Peter's, that'd be a different story. That kind of fairy tale I can buy into because I love underdogs. Yeah. Cannot, cannot uh, cheer for Duke. So I'm hoping like heck that Carolina, who I've always liked, um, I, I've always thought that you know Carolina is what colleges should aspire to. I I know. Listen, I'm not naive. I know they've had their when they go to school. And, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. When they go to school, when they go to class. Well, yeah, no, no. Thing. Listen, yeah. I was just, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've had their blemishes, uh, but I've always liked North Carolina. I mean, even when I was a kid, I thought, you know, that Tar Heel mm -hmm. Blue was awesome. Yeah. And then there were Jersey guys who went there, you mm -hmm. know, whether it was Michael Corin or what have you. And it just, it just was, it was a program I always followed. So I hope they win. I think Villanova's got a tough job, but John, I do agree with you. Uh, Jay Wright's phenomenal. And and who knows? I mean, there's the Jersey kid, Brian Antoine. He's going to get a few more minutes. Archie Diacono is going to get a few more minutes. Will they flourish or will they wilt it with the extra pressure on them? Well, that's why you play the game. But I, I think Colin Gillespie, 
Crosby is a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. I think Villanova gets underestimated a lot uh, just because you look at the team, you go, oh, are they very athletic? Are they, who are they? And, you know, he just puts together a great team year after year after he's year. Great, and then a lot of them go on and play in the NBA. So he's a great um, coach, Matt, but he runs, he doesn't go deep on his bench. He plays six players and one of them just went down and he's a huge oh, part a of it. So loss. they're, so they're a try- I mean, he, this is, he's going to be tested, man. If that guy can come out of this with that loss to Justin Moore and beat Kansas, man. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Guy's a phenomenal coach, but boy, he's got up. He's up against it. I mean, John, that's yeah. a that's a big guy. That's a big yeah. um, loss. Justin Moore's an NBA player. Mm. I mean, come on, the kid is really good at all phases of the game. But as we've been saying, Jay Wright is Jay Wright, and he will they will slow this thing. You want to talk about a rock fight? He's going to want to win this game like 43-42. I mean, yeah. I think they're gonna. You'll see them walk the ball up the floor. I mean, they'll they'll pick and choose their spots where they can run. I mean, if they have the guy open down the floor, they'll throw it down. But they are really going to try and and slow this thing down. And they'll play that motion offense where they have like a four out, uh, four out one in. You know, with uh, the kid in the middle there, and then they just spread you out and back you down, back you down, back you down. They play that one on one ball that. Um, that Gillespie is sort of the leader of that stuff. He backs people yeah. down and then just keep an eye on all the pump fakes that they do and, and see how guys still to this day, even though they watch hours of film on, uh, on uh, Villanova, they still fall for those up fakes and they get to the free throw line. And you saw in uh, against Houston, they were 16 for 16 at the free throw line. So if you foul them, it's two points. You know, they, they led the nation yeah. in free, the best free throw shooting percentage, I think, not only this year, but maybe in the history of the NCAA, like 86% is a team. Think about how many times you go to the line and you're pulling for your team and I'm pulling for my team and you brick the front end of the one and one yeah. and it changes the complexion of a game. They never miss. Yeah. No, they're fundamentally sound. And Kansas, all, I mean, historically a blue blood team and you know, they've won what three NCAA championships, but they tend to shoot themselves as a program, shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. So, this would be a great stage to do that. Yeah, yeah. I just think the loss of uh, Justin Moore. I, I my get I, my call here is not who I'm rooting for. I'd love to see UNC Villanova. I just got a hunch it's going to be Duke and Kansas in the final. Uh, and I, I that that's just my call on it. Johnny, what what's your final? You know, I I do think that you know Duke is clicking on all cylinders now. That Paolo Bancaro is a stud, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Roach, the point guard, he's sort of been the X factor. He's really been the guy late in games and late in shot clocks. That's pulling, uh, amazing, you know, drives to the basket and he's hitting three point shots. Yeah. I mean, and, they're, and they're Williams really a tree they're in the middle, to, man. I mean, they're, they yeah, got... they're loaded with McDonald's all Americans <laughs> that Mark Williams in the middle. Yeah. He blocks everything. <laughs> Listen, maybe they're just finally fulfilling their promise and this is how it's going to be. And, um, you know, it would be a storybook that Coach K would ride out with another Natty, but I'm with Maddie, and I don't want to see it happen. Yeah. Well, so, Matt, uh, Matt, we know you got to get into practice, but what, what are you? What are your thoughts? What are, What are your two final? Uh, uh, co- well, out? I think it'll be North Carolina and Kansas. Uh, I, I agree with you. The loss of Moore is is going to be an awful lot, but I would not be surprised for Villanova to overcome. But I would not be surprised if they did win. They are that good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think Carolina, listen, they, they thrashed Duke in the ACC final. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they can't do it At again. At Cameron, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, yeah. Yeah, it, ACC final. No, no. In in the final home game I, uh, for yeah. for yeah. yeah. And uh, and so it can happen again, absolutely. So um, we will go one more show, and then we'll put a lid on the college basketball season. We'll uh, we'll we'll come back next week after the uh, the final four, uh, and uh, and cap everything. So uh, we'll 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 take this all the way to the end of March madness in the beginning of April, uh, for sure on uh, the Jersey Hardwood podcast. So I'm Steve Titchener uh, with Matt Lachlan uh, in Newark and John McAlevey in New Providence. And we'll catch you all next week. We want to thank our sponsor, LG Insurance. This was on Spotify, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. The Jersey Hardwood Podcast is written and produced by Steve Titchener with co-hosts Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. The show is edited and mixed by Justin Coy at Sound Lounge, New York City.